Thanks. Good evening, church. Well, it's a privilege to be here, uh, part of the team that's sharing the word tonight. Um, as you can tell by now, it's a little bit different, um, but you guys are lucky because you get a four-for-one deal. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't have to come to church for the next four weeks. Somebody say amen. But before we get started, uh, let's just pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you um, allow us as your vessels to um, speak your word. Father, we just uh, ask that your blessing would be upon it. Father, that you would open hearts, ears, and minds to receive what you want to say tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we were sitting down to discuss this message, actually, we realized that although we were here doing the same thing and writing the same message, each of us had arrived here in very different ways. And it got us thinking, what was the driving force that actually brought each one of us together? And in the end, working on on the same message together. And we realized that although that up to three years ago, all of us, we actually didn't know that the other one existed. We never met. But also, each one of us had had a deciding moment where we realized the call of God that would change the course and plans of our lives. It was a divinely inspired revelation of God's purpose, and it's a moment that we're going to call our start here moment. And this is the story of God's divine plan being outworked in each one of our lives. And our prayer is that tonight it would help you, our stories would help you to discover your own start here moment. So the journey to my start here moment actually began in about 2017. So I'd left my old church and I was looking for somewhere new to fellowship. But a couple of years before that, I'd actually started flying gliders. Now, if you don't know what a glider is, ask Luke over here, because I took him for a fly. It's basically an airplane without engines, and he, um, he did panic. Okay, but he's okay. It had been a sport, but it actually had not become so innocent anymore. It had become an escape from reality for me. And what was just a sport had become actually an addiction to me. And I would say... If I hadn't been flying for two weeks, I would honestly get withdrawal symptoms and get depressed. That's how crazy it was. But I was looking for a church to fellowship at. But because, to me, flying was more important than fellowship, I had some requirements for the church that I wanted to attend. Specifically, I would have an early morning service so that I could have the rest of Sunday off to go flying. Maybe it would have a worship team I could play in once a month. be cool. But I'm sure you can see that there are a few issues with my attitude there. I was looking for a church with the wrong motive. I was looking for a church that would fit my schedule as opposed to prioritizing godly fellowship. See, I was looking to fulfill a religious obligation, but I didn't want to commit to anything. I was looking to do church, but not to do community with other believers. In fact, I would say I even wanted to follow the call of God in my life but I didn't want to submit to the disciplines that that requires. So naturally, when I turned up at Elam, hey, 8.30 service, yay, rest of the day off. Oh, they've got a worship team, yeah, I can play in it once a month. But you see, I thought it was the place to suit my perfect agenda. I thought I'd found the perfect place to be here, but not planted. But even though I was operating under my own selfish logic, And it seemed that I was writing my own story and forging my own path to what I thought was success. God was actually using this to bring about his purpose in my life. Even though I didn't know it at the time. 
See, Proverbs 19.21 states this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, I thought that I had created the perfect scenario to fulfill my plans, but what I'd actually done was stumble upon God's perfect scenario that he had created to plant me in the right place. God used my corrupted criteria to steer me towards the plan he had in mind for me. See, if I hadn't been looking for a church with an early service, I probably wouldn't have ended up here. But more importantly, I wouldn't have ended up surrounded by people who are positioned by God at the right time. And they made sure that I didn't end up drifting down the path of my own plans, the wrong path of my own plans. But God is good, right? See, as people, we are blindly led around by our own stupidity and selfishness most of the time. Come on. But the fact is that God doesn't just forgive us and have grace for these mistakes, but he uses them and turns them around for his own purposes. See, the very steps that I was taking to avoid being planted, God was using over here to make sure that I did get planted. And I'm grateful for leaders around me like Don, who took a risk on me and uh, saw the call of God on my life. Pastor Boyd before him saw the call of my God on my life before I saw it. And they didn't take no for an answer. I'll let you on a little secret, which I haven't told anybody. I'm actually grateful for um, <coughs> Haley Barrett over here, who harassed me for about a year to go to Bible college. Even though I was trying desperately not to, I swore I'd never go to Bible college, but hey. God's intervention at that time and the people that he put in my life led to my start here moment. See, when I look, on that, look back on that journey... I can see so many lessons that I've learned, but they're not just lessons that affect me. They're lessons which can affect everyone in this room. But specifically tonight, I want to speak to a couple of areas which I think that this is really relevant for. First of all, there might be people who were like me. They're in here because, or they've ended up in a place because they feel like they took the wrong path, or maybe they were trying to avoid the call of God in their life. And secondly, there might be those of you in here and you feel like you're in a place that you don't really want to be in, or maybe you didn't think it was part of the way that you thought your life was supposed to go. It might be the church you're in, or the street you live on, or the place that you're in spiritually or emotionally. See, you might not be in your ideal situation. You might be here with the wrong motive. Or on the other hand, you might be exactly where you want to be and have the greatest intentions and motives. But can I tell you this? Regardless of any of those things... You have to be planted. And I'll say it this way. If you take a plant and you're holding it in your hands, you can take it to a tropical beach, a beautiful location with great sunsets every night, about 25 degrees all year round. But if its roots aren't in the soil, then you could take that same plant to the Sahara Desert and put it in the soil and it's still going to have a better chance of growing than at the beach. You can create the greatest garden, prepare the soil, put fresh water in it, but if the roots are not in the soil, come on, it won't grow. Like me, you might have dreamed up the greatest path to success. Set yourself up with these brilliant plans, but let me tell you this, and it's from personal experience, it's true, if you're not planted, you won't grow. So you're here, but you're not planted. How do you get planted? Well, as you know, it's not about following the sunshine. 
It's not about the scenery, not about the nice beach. It's not about the perfect place that suits your agenda or your perfect plans. It's about the soil. And Psalm 1 actually tells us what the soil is. It says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. See, to be here and to be planted is to be committed, committed to God's word, committed to fellowship and to family who are also committed to God's word. And godly people around you are the key because they're what got me planted and they're what will get you planted. You need to find yourself godly leaders, friends and mentors who will help you find your start here moment. And when you find it, plant yourself in obedience to the call of God on your life. Plant yourself in his word. Start here, start now, and start planted. Hello. (laughs) So now you're here and planted. Your next step would be to get in motion. Let's start here. A Christian in motion is someone who is vibrant and growing, excited to start each day, content with who they are, but eager to keep advancing the kingdom of God. Friends, you know it's possible to be here and not be in motion. It's possible to be here, planted, know your purpose, but somehow lose momentum and even come to a stop. That was me. Some of you may remember me from a few years ago when I first came here to New Zealand. I quickly became planted. God began revealing his plans and purposes for my life. Like David, I was also offered to do internship, but I declined at the thought of it. No, instead, I went back to Canada. While back there, my church asked if I could lead their version of Dream Team. But once again, I refused to commit to the idea of serving. Instead, I became stuck. I became very depressed. My life was not in motion. I was there, but not moving. Four months had gone by. Like I said, I was very depressed, and I seemed to have lost all the passion that I once had in this house. You see, I wanted the call of God on my life, but I wanted to do it my way. But God is good, amen? He once again told me that he's sending me to the South Pacific. Just three weeks after God said to go, I was there. I was there serving in Samoa, from Samoa to Fiji, from Fiji back here, and then from here off to Tahiti. God had to literally move me to get my life back in motion. I was humbled by these islanders, and God used them to teach me what a Christian life in motion looks like. Like me, we can all sometimes be so focused, and we ask the questions, what's my calling? We ask God, what's my vision? We ask, what's your specific plans and purposes for my life? And the question comes to mind, what's in my hand? But friends, I want to suggest a better question for you. Not what's in your hand, but whose hand are you holding? Wow. (laughs) Friends, who are you lifting up? Who are you bringing with you? Who are you doing life with? Who are you championing? Who are you leading? Who are you following? Most importantly, friends, who are you serving? Whose hand are you holding? Now, I know that may sound romantic. Typically, the first thing you do in a relationship 
is to go for a walk. And arguably, the only appropriate public display of affection is holding hands. Right, Jake? <laughs> but... But you hold hands for many reasons. You hold a little one's hand in a busy parking lot to keep them safe. If someone falls down, both people must stretch out their arms, holding out their hands. Us men, we hold hands often too. It's just very brief, and we call it shaking. <laughs> this question, whose hand are you holding, is asking, who are you doing life with? To be a Christian in motion is simple. First, you must be in community, and then you must serve those you're in community with. And it is this that was modeled to me in the islands. A life in service is a life in motion. Again, a life in service is a life in motion. And I know you guys know this truth. This church is full of people who have put their agendas aside to hold the hands of each other, to serve one another. I have the honor of leading our dream team, and there are over 100 members of this church, which I know are many of you, that have given up their time and resources to make these Sunday services possible. Our car boot team and soup kitchen, they serve our community, seeing thousands of the unchurched come through our church gates. Auction serves our youth every Friday night, both the saved and the unsaved, bringing the hope that is only found in Jesus. Because you see, guys, we all agree that it's not, it's not where you serve or what you serve, but who you serve. And I know why. I know why so many of you are eager to serve. Because you are not just serving on a team. No, you are serving the very bride of Christ. And when you turn around to shake each other's hands, you are greeting the saints of God now that you will know for all eternity. When you take the time out of your busy day to get a homeless man a feed, that you are actually feeding Jesus Christ himself. Just as he says, Assuredly I say to you, in as much as you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. If serving gets us in motion, then it is this perspective that keeps us in momentum. To serve mankind in any capacity is the highest calling. There is no greater task given by God than to serve the ones he's in community with. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28, whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him become your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. What an example we have in Jesus. Yes. If you want to live a productive Christian life that is vibrant and growing and always in motion, then serving one another is the only way. Maybe you don't know what's in your hand? Trust God on your journey and he'll reveal that to you. But until then, let's start here. Grab someone's hand to hold. It is my pleasure serving and serving alongside each one of you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, so I was attending this church for about two years before I decided to join our worship team. Two years of indecisiveness, two years of umming and ahhing, should I, should I not? Um, and actually, it wasn't until after I had joined the team that I realized that it was something that I was actually running from. 
In fact, it was the only form of running that I had committed myself to, <laughs> running from the call of God, running from the, running from the Lord. Uh, just like Pastor Haley used to be a runner, I was a part of the running community. As soon as I heard the Lord call me, laters, I'm gone. This is, sorry, Lord. And so I was once a runner as well. I remember it was my first Sunday on with the team. Um, I had prepared every song, every melody line. I was ready for this. My eyebrows were on fleek. My hair was smelling burnt because I had ironed it so much the night before. But I'm sure the Lord appreciated the effort. And here I was, 10 minutes before the service, in the bathroom, straight panicking. I thought, oh my gosh, what if I like trip before I go on stage? What if I trip when I come off the stage? What if I sing the wrong part? What if I, you know, outshine everybody? But I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Ten minutes before the service and counting down five minutes before the service, I'm still here panicking in the bathroom. And I started to actually believe these things that I was telling myself. Maybe I'm not actually good enough. What does it actually tell you that you have to give this team? This team of anointed, creative, good-looking, so amazing, talented people. What do you have to give to this team? And for a moment there, I started to believe it. And so it was like three minutes before the service, I could hear the video was like starting to play. You know when the video plays and you feel like the rumble? It was rumbling in there. And so someone from the team had actually come in and, and in the middle of my panic, I was trying to encourage myself. It wasn't really working, but she said to me, eh, get your out there. And the blank won't be in your notes tonight. So I'll leave it to your imagination to see. You can fill in that blank tonight, Fano. Okay, but she said to me, get out there. And so after my little episode, I, after, you know, trying my best to convince myself that this was it, you know, I was ready for my big debut with this team. I was so excited. I was so nervous. And after receiving all the encouragement, practicing all the songs, learning all of my bits and being really intentional, actually, I was here, I realized. I was here, I was planted, I was encouraged to be mobilized and moved but I didn't believe that I had purpose. Have you ever noticed that you could be in a place and you can be planted, but still feel like you don't have purpose? You could be in a room full of people. Actually, you could come to this very room, Sunday after Sunday, listening to sermon after sermon, and still feel like you don't have purpose. It's possible for us as believers and in the process of that, sometimes we can disqualify ourselves from discovering our purpose or moving into our purpose. Sometimes when we give way to the spirit of comparison, sometimes when we entertain thoughts of not being enough or feeling enough, sometimes when we're too busy looking at the grass and how green it is on the other side, rather than watering your own, we can fall into the trap of disqualifying ourselves from finding our purpose. In Jeremiah 29, the Lord speaks to the nation of Israel. He says to them, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 
Come on, how many of us are grateful that God knows the plans that he has for us? He doesn't guess or take a stab in the dark. He doesn't wonder or question and maybe think or feel. He's not led that way. But actually his word says and it promises that he knows the plans that he has for us. Could it be that you're in this place? You're planted. You've been encouraged to be mobilized and moving. But you still don't know what your purpose is. Or you still haven't stepped into your purpose. If that's you in this place, I want to encourage you. It is God's plan for his people to be planted, to be mobilized and moving, and to have purpose. It is God's promise to us because our Father cares for everyone and every one. Thank you, Lord. The Oxford Dictionary describes the word purpose as an aim, an intention, or a function. And see, God has an intention for you. He has an aim for you. He has a purpose and a function for you right where you are. It may not look like it's something here on the platform. It might be something out in the car park. It might be something over in children's church. It might be something out in Te Whakaura. It might be something out in the prisons. It might be something out somewhere. But it is God's plan and promise because it stays in his word that his plans for us are good and not for disaster. Discovering your purpose is a decision and it's also a discipline. See, when I discovered my purpose, it was a decision that I made to step into it, but also it became a discipline for me to stay in it. So it's a decision at first, but then it's a discipline to stay and stay and stay. Season in and season out, it is a discipline to stay functioning, to stay moving in your purpose. God demonstrates also his purpose through everyone. In a corporate setting in Ezra, we see that God's people return from exile. And their purpose was to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. Verse 1 says, In early autumn, when the Israelites settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. See, the Israelites met with the intention of building together. After 70 years in exile, the last thing I would want to do is build. Let me tell you, no, sir, mm mm-mm. But these people had also settled in their towns after returning after 70 years in exile, returned and settled, and then the Lord had called them back from their towns to meet with a unified purpose. And they were met with opposition, they were met with not having enough resource, and they still actually, it was a discipline for them to decide, it was a decision, it was a discipline for them to stay and to build again. We're called to be one body and many parts. And the gifts that we use, the gifts that we have, excuse me, are used to edify the body. One body, many parts. And so it is our function and our purpose to use these gifts to edify one another, to encourage one another, to bring someone alongside you that you're leading, to raise up another leader. That is the function, the purpose of our gifts is to edify the body. See, when I was in the bathroom on my first Sunday, I had no intention, no idea that I would be standing on this very platform, Sunday after Sunday, ministering to hundreds of people. I didn't realize actually in my decision and in that moment of obedience 
when I decided to step into my purpose, my heart had aligned with God's plan for my life. And the same could be for you. I had no idea that one day that I would be standing here, that I would be called and anointed and appointed to lead a group of amazing creatives that help to facilitate the presence of God in this place. See, my heart had aligned to the intention, to the function of heaven, to the aim of heaven, to see people set free through worship and praise week after week. So how do you discover your purpose? I want to encourage you with a few simple ways that could align you to God's plan for your life. First off, pray. Not not that hard, it's not that complicated, just pray. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. I think sometimes we're so busy asking other people, like, what do you see? What do you reckon? What do you think? Actually, just ask the one that made you. Why not? Go straight to the boss. Ask him. Pray. I want to encourage you, family. Pray and ask God, what is it, Lord, that you have for my life? Where is it that you need me to step out? What is it that you want me to do, Lord? Ask the big questions to the big boss. I want to encourage you as well that... Purpose is discovered in the context of community. Like we say every week, we don't believe that life is meant to be lived out alone. We believe in the context of community. And this is a way that you can discover your purpose. You need to get yourself around people that will call out the gifting of God on your life, that would call the call of God out of your life, that would tell you, hey, you're being a bit of an egg. Also not in your notes. Um, But you need to really step in and step out. See, that morning in the bathroom when I was there, I got called out. And she wasn't calling me out because of my attitude and the position of my heart. She was actually calling me out into my into my potential, into my purpose. In that moment, it may not have been significant for someone, but for me, actually, that's all I needed. Praise God, I had grown tired of running all these years. And he found me in the bathroom. But let me tell you, church, it is God's purpose and his plan for his children to be planted with a purpose. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Awesome. Well, everyone, I remember one moment where I was holding on for dear life. Like, honestly, this was such a tragic moment. I was holding on for dear life. I was at the top of this tall structure that I remember as a kid. And just for a moment, I want you guys to imagine the tallest and scariest structure you've ever seen. All right. It was 10,000 times worse than that. I was up top of this holding on for my life. And all I heard from down down below was people yelling at me, let go, just let go. And then I was like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Can you not see that I'm up here? I, I had so many hesitations and there was a bunch of feelings that like came up. But you know, what I realized is that as I let go, as I went down, I embraced the journey that was go- that, that I had going down. And I'm going to be honest, I was probably six years old and the structure that I'm talking about was a slide, which was probably this big. But you know, seeing how short I am, you can imagine how short I was at six years old. And, uh, let me tell you about shortness at six years old. Anything taller than the kitchen sink is scary to you because you were short. You hear this noise and you're like, what is that noise? It's somebody working at the kitchen sink. Let me tell you that. But the truth is this. There's a godly principle in that because the truth is this, that embracing the journey ahead that God has for you 
Stepping into the next thing that God has for you is so much greater than the hesitations that we hold on to. Friend, let me tell you, following godly biblical principles, being planted, being in motion, being in your purpose is far greater than a life which is holding on and never moving forward. Here but not planted, here but not moving, here but not purposed. Friend, perhaps tonight you've found yourself in one of those statements. Perhaps you've resonated with one of those start here moments. And I want to encourage every single person in here. Wherever you have started, don't stop there. Don't allow God's starting line to be your finish line. Don't settle where God has more for you. I felt prophetically tonight to speak to a few people in the room. I felt, I felt like there were people in this room who, where you found yourself in this place of saying, but I'm not perfect enough. I'm not perfect enough to be in the plan of God. I'm not perfect enough to be planted holding his word. I'm not perfect enough to be planted in godly community. I'm not perfect enough to serve his kingdom, perfect enough to be a recipient to receive his purposes. And friend, I want to declare over you, if that is you, if that's you tonight, I want to declare over you that God's not so wrapped up in your perfection or your performance as much as he is about your progression. God wants to see you moving forward. Come on, somebody. He's not wrapped up in your perfection or your performance. God wants to see your progression. In fact, I love what Paul writes in the Bible. Paul's an incredible man. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, did incredible missions for God, took the gospel further than it had ever been. And in Philippians, in view of that, this is what he says. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Get this, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, this too God will make clear to you. Can I encourage somebody in the room tonight? Let go of your comfort. Let go of your comparison. Let go of your convenience. Let go of the things that are holding you back from stepping into what God has for you. Friend, just say yes to God. Say yes to the purposes of God. Say yes to the next thing that he's speaking to you. Like I said, you would have found yourself in one of those statements. Say yes, God. I'm stepping into it.